Scripture reading this morning is taken from Jephaniah chapter 3 verses 14 to 20. Jephaniah chapter 3 verses 14 to 20. Sing, the daughter of Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, No fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time I will deal with all who oppress you. I will rescue the lamb, I will gather the exiles, I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time I will gather you, at that time I will bring you home, I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Now we have Pastor Feng Seng Wong to preach to us. Let's pray together. Fathers, we bow before you. We thank you for this opportunity. And it is your invitation to all your beloved children that ye who are weary and heavy laden, that We can come before you and lay down all of the sorrows and worries and disappointment, discouragement before you, and by faith, knowing that before your cross, before the beloved Christ, that we can have joy and, and love, and rejoice once more, even when we are in the midst of certain the bad situation. So, Father, helps us with your love, and with your word, nurtures us and builds us at this moment. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, my family, do you remember when was、um, the last time that you had a big laugh? Do you remember when you had something that made you happy and joyful? If you recall some moment, some of the moments in your life, what was the thing that makes you happy, and who made you happy? Can you recall that? Do you experience joyful moment in your life? And I think me and some pastors and some church leaders, we greet people often、um, in front of the church, in the foyer, or any places. We greet people often. Now, normally we ask, "How are you?" As we start to、um, encourage someone, we start want to know someone more. But if I have a chance, I will try to dig in. Deeper and us and follow up with a few questions. And I might ask, "How are you doing, my friends? Are you really doing well? Are you really okay with your life?" Now, usually, not all the times. Usually, and the person I counsel with, and the person I encounter with, when I try to follow up with these few questions, they often. Shed with a few drops of tears, and they cry. And before they are pushed to the point of pain, 
lots of grievances, lots of dis- discouragement, and lots of sadness and sorrows were hidden in their lives. We don't have the courage to voice all the things out to someone, and we rather、um, dig it and hide it. And that's our nature, isn't it? We don't usually voice out and share our discouragement and sorrows to the people around us, and pretend we are the strongest person on the earth. But the fact that we're not that kind of person. Now, instead of saying that we should be happy, instead of saying that Christians always enjoy the happy life, maybe we're going to say that. The norm of Christian life is full of sadness, and psychologists even say that there is a spear experiment. When we recall something back in in our days, in our memories, yes, we have some good memories and bad memories, but tons of bad memories just piles out in our lives, and it just overpowers our good our good memories, our good lives. So whenever we recall and look back. We only look back at those bad memories, those moments which discourages and brings us down. But my family, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this: Christians' life can be full of hope and can be full of joy. You can rejoice, and you will rejoice because of Christ, because of what God has done for you in your life. And so this morning, I want to remind you through the book of Zephaniah, chapter three, verses fourteen to twenty. Christians just don't don't just rejoice during the Christmas season. We rejoice every day, and we can do it. So what does the book of Zephaniah teach us? It's the same line with the rest of the book of prophets. God pronounces punishment and judgment to the world. And especially to his own people, Judah and Jerusalem, because they made a big mistake. They committed sins in their lives. They worshipped this God, the holy God, and on the other hand, they worshipped the other false god, and that's a problem. By that, God will announce the judgment to that to his people. And not only that, when we look, just look through the book of Zephaniah, we will see that God also accused the leaders, the judges. The prophets and 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 some leaders of the the synagogues in that moment, for the judges and the leaders in Zephaniah's time, they were supposed to protect the weak and disadvantaged people in the nations. But they act like a beast. They tortured the people right there. The purpose the purpose of God setting up the government, the leaders of the nation. Is to protect those unprivileged and with those with with disadvantage in their lives, but they act like a beast. They torture the weak and the poor. While for the priests and the prophets, they profane the temple. For the prophets, they lie. They thought they have received the word of God. They have received the revelation of God, but they lie and they instruct the people of Israel in the wrong directions. So you will see in this nation there is no righteousness, there is no holiness in accordance to the will of God. 
and that's a problem. And God will pronounce judgment on them. And early on in chapter two, we also see that God has already destroyed the nations beside Judah, Philistia, Moab, Ammonites, Cush, and Azera. They all were destroyed because of their sin. But Israelites, the people in Jerusalem and in Judah, they thought that they could escape the judgment of God. While they were dwelling and enjoying in their sin, but God said that, "Hey, don't pretend it. Don't think about that in that way. Because if you think about that, if you think that while you can, you can still enjoy the sin in that moment and think that the judgment will not fall upon you, you are doomed." So whoever for Jerusalem, for Judah, and for us, if we do not repent. Our ending will be like the Cush, the nations, the kingdoms beside all of the side of Judah. Do not be satisfied with our sinful life. If Judah, Jerusalem, and we do not repent, we too will perish like those nations and kingdoms. Now, while the word of God was coming out in these kind of severe judgment, the word of God began to come out in mercy and love. And the word of God says this: The Lord has taken away the judgment against you. He has cleared away your enemies. Zephaniah three verse fifteen. So, from the words of disruptions, God now wants His people to sing and to be joyful, to rejoice and praise His name. The reason was that the people, the Israelites, the people in Jerusalem and in Judah, they have already repented and returned to God, and the punishment was supposed to be theirs. They were the one who supposed to bear all of the judgment and curses, but now they repent and God remove their judgment. So it's the same thing, my friends and my family. You can rejoice. Because God has taken away your punishment, God has removed and forgave you. But here's the problem: as Christians, we know that God has taken away our judgment. But in reality, in an, in our lives, we don't really think that God has really removed the judgment from our lives. And to some point, we think that we should. Condemn, and we should punish ourselves. Now, self-punishment can take in many forms. It can be self-condemnation, like accusing ourselves to be stupid and useless. Or some people punish themselves by not eating a lot of food, or not eat, not to eat at all, or maybe to have a lot of words in their life just to fill their lives. When people, some people take a look back to their back to the past, when they cannot get over it, they just took a, a knife and raised his wrist and just cut it in their hands. Or maybe some people just went on the building and think about jumping down from the building. And that's a problem of our life. Most of us, we, most of us, we just can't really get through of our past memories, those heartbreaking moments of our lives, and we thought we ought to do something 
of ourselves. We ought to punish ourselves, and we ought to hurt ourselves, to injure ourselves, just to make our heart feel better. So we have been keeping ourselves really busy, filling with filling our affairs with many things, and not letting ourselves stay relaxed for a moment. And we're afraid that if we stay relaxed and we will remember those past moments, and it will just torture us and frustrate us once again. Now, here's a problem: we always miss some of the states, the past states of our lives. We feel sorry about that, and we we are really regret of some of the decision made in the past. But while we regret about it. Our brains tries to beautify these things. For example, you may think in your mind, you can solve the problem. You can return to that moment and solve the problem by your own way, and you try to beautify it. And one step and a step and a step again, you will picture a really good ending in that moment. But when you wake up. And come back to reality, we again start to feel discouraged and sorrow, because the path is still the same; nothing has changed. So we go into the cycle, condemn ourselves again, and we punish ourselves once more, just to make us feel better. Now, a group of students participated in an experiment. The students were divided into different groups. Each group was was asked to re- to recall, to rethink about something in the past, either something just happened recently or maybe years ago. But one group of students, the organizer wants them to recall something that makes them to have the feeling of grief, made them guilty. While recalling, the organizer also told the students that there would be six light electric shots while they were recalling. But the voltage is adaptable, and it's painless. You can take it; everyone can take it. If necessary, the participant they can raise the voltage to the highest level. So, as you all know. That group who recall their guilty memories raised the voltage to the painful level. They chose to relieve their guilt and self-punishment through this high voltage. So, my friends, are you also living in the life of self-punishment and self-blame? Do you think that you need to punish yourself? But using any ways of self-punishment just to get ease of all those pains in your life, don't do that. It's not a biblical way. It's not the right way. You think you would you will be better, you will get well if you're doing so, but you will find that you would never get out of it, and you will always live with that guilt. So here's the invitation. God has already given you this promise. The Lord has taken away the judgment against you. Even if you think you were a bad person, 
You don't need to punish yourself. You don't need to condemn yourself. And that's the invitation of the gospel. We don't need to punish ourselves because the Lord Jesus Christ has already taken away your judgment, your punishment. So here's a promise from the book of Isaiah. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. With his wound you are healed. So God tells you, I, the Lord, has taken away your punishment and driven away your enemies. Those judgment and punishment were supposed belong to you. I, the one, you, the one, we're the one who's supposed to bear the judgment. We're the one who's supposed to go onto the cross, who nail on the cross. But no, right now, Christ bears it for you. So for all the Christians, we can live joyfully, and we can live in the life of praise and worship because Christ has bore our punishment. So God invites you to come to Him and confess your condition, and He promises you you can have a good life. And yes, when we look back, things are the same. Things never change, but we gotta have a new vision right now. When we look back, we no longer say that oh, it's impossible for all of us to change. For me to change, things still the same. It's impossible for me to change and face it. No. But for Christians, our new vision is: God forgave me, and He spared me when I thought I am. I was the worst sinner when I thought I should punish myself, but He saved me. But He bore my sin and judgment in my place, and that's the invitation of the gospel. Come to Christ. Now, God does not only spare us from the punishment. So that we do not have to live in the life of self-condemnation. We are a group of people who have the presence of God, and most importantly, we are the people who are owned by God. So God rejoices in us. God rejoices in us. In a later, in a later chapter. Um, passage it says that the Lord our God is in our midst, so that we may not be afraid. Now it's amazing that God Himself says that He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exalt, which is sing over you with loud singing. Now we gotta ask one question: What is so special about us that God should rejoice? And sing for us, and we often say that we're the one who, who needs to sing for God. We're the one who own God, have God in our lives. We often overlook the fact that God is pleased with us. Most of the time, we think that God is often angry with us, angry with the naughty Israelites. Just like the church, we're not perfect. We're imperfect. God is always angry at us, and that's our thinking. 
Now, can you imagine the Lord sings and rejoices over you? Picture the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit singing together for us, and the whole creation were amazed to hear the eternal God sing for you a joyful hymn for you. So, what are the facts that God rejoices over us? What are the things for which He sings to us? Because we are His people, and that's simple. In the last portion, we have seen that these people, they were living, dwelling in a sinful life, but they returned to God. When they returned to God, God rejoiced over their repentance, and right at that moment, God owns them. And the people of Israel in Judah and Jerusalem belongs to the God. So he says that because of God's presence, don't be afraid. I will not send any disasters and judgment before you. Now I am the God who loves you, and I am the God who owns you. You belong to me, and with that, I am joyful over you. Now it's like God singing to a lover. It's like God singing to a lover. Perhaps you wives among us, you know this very well. Maybe when your husband was pursuing you, chasing you, he would be holding a guitar, maybe play the piano, or maybe sing to you. He may be singing "My Valentine." He may be singing "You Are My Everything." Or he may be singing "My Love," but no matter what song he sings to you, you are his lover in his eyes, and the way he expresses his love is by singing a love song to you. So, as Christians, we often say that we rejoice in having God in our lives, but for God. Having us makes him happy, makes him joyful in the same way. So, what is the concept of having someone? What is it so joyful to have someone? I love books, and I love to read books very much. But it's not enough just to order them online. But I have to receive it. On my hand, they have to be in my hand, so that I am really owning and having the books, and I'm satisfied with the books that are in my hands. But for couples, for husband and wives, owning your partners means a lot, and it's even more satisfying. Do you remember when, when both of you were committing the、um, holy? Holy um, um, matrimony in the church. When husbands stand in front, watching the wives, watching your couple, watching your love, what's towards you step by step? How do you feel about that? For most men that I have interviewed, and I can say that they always have came up with the same result, and they say that I can finally have the person I love for the rest of my life. But for all the wives here, although you had to get up early in the morning for makeups and the preparation process was tiring, 
But isn't it a joy to have a lover, the person that you love the most for the rest of your life, to be with you? Isn't that satisfying? That you are having both. You're owning each other in your life. So every time when we witness a couple getting married, it's not just a simple. Ceremony in the church, but it's it pictures the relationship between the Lord Jesus and the church. The whole relationship, the love between the Lord Jesus and the church, has picture has foreshadow in the relationship in the marriage. It pictures this: Jesus Christ is really satisfied and rejoices over the church of having the church, while the church is also having. A rejoicing moment of having Jesus Christ, and it's beyond ceremony. It has a deep meaning in this holy matrimony. So, being owned by God should make us feel joyful and happy. And Christians' life should be joyful and happy because we are owned by God, and He rejoices over you. So today you are the one who are owned by God. The merciful God has an incomparable love for a truly repentant people, so much so that He sings for you because you are His lover. He loves you. So knowing God's love and tenderness for us, we should respond in two way. Number one, why should we afraid? If our lives are owned by God, and we shouldn't be afraid. And second, don't let your hands down. We ought to serve Him and always praise His name, sing praises for the rest of our lives. So God is not just present in His incomparable love for us, and this love is more than temporary. For the people of God, He will continue to love us forever. In the future as well, He will honor His people. So the prophets of Zephaniah say that God will be will be with His people, and that was a great promise for His people. Some people were taken abroad as slaves. Some fled to the other nations, and some stay in their own nations because they they have nowhere to run to escape. But they were tortured by the leaders and the judges in their own country, and to the point that they they were even forced to do something that was against the will of God. But God wants to redeem His people from the oppressions by saying that I will honor my own people. And the word of God says this: At that time, I will bring you in. At a time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Do you see? God doesn't just redeem His people; He restores your lives. Those who are sorrowful, God will make them joyful. 
those who were humiliated, God will bring them praise before all people. And those who were treated bitterly in these nations, God will deal those who treat His people bitterly. So God will surely honor His people. For our sake, God honors us. And we Christians are not strangers to this situation, especially for those missionaries serving. In the front lines, especially in Islamic states or in the communist rule countries, many believers were often attacked, humiliated, and mocked, and etc. In one country, when many pastors, when they want to represent their church, to go to the other country for some, so for some conference and a church meeting, they were often warned by the government and say that not to raise the political and the social issue in the country. And the government at that time often sees all of the Bibles in the church, believing that owning a Bible was considered unpatriotic. So the churches were oppressed and called un unpatriotic churches, and that's why believers at that moment they had hard times when they knew some believer walking down the streets. If they recognized them, they would throw the stones. They would humiliate those believers in that church. Even they did the same to the pastors at that church. If that were to happen to FMC, would you still go to the church? Would you still go to join this worship service? But thanks be to God, the gates of the hell shall not prevail against the church of the Lord. Because throughout the history, no matter what persecution the church has to face, no authority and power in heaven or on earth has prevail will prevail against the church of the Lord. So in that moment, the Lord gathered His people from the other nations. They called them to this country and stay with this church. They bear the persecutions. They bear this. Tough moments together until some point, God restored His people, and the government allowed and stopped suppressing and has given the church the freedom to worship and read the Bible. And of course, we don't know when, we don't know the time, but God will surely honor His people. If you belong to God, if you. Surely know that you belong to God. Don't be afraid of the oppressions. So, what kind of humiliation are you facing? Who are you being treated badly? If you belong to God, you should not be afraid. You may also face such humiliation in this life, or maybe for the rest of your life until you die. But when you come before the judgment throne of God, when all the deeds of the man are revealed before His judgment throne, God will reward each person according to what they have done. So the Word of God says this: At that time, I will bring you in. At the at the time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. 
So for our sake, for your sake, and for my sake, God has already removed our judgment and punishment. And with that, by faith, we can always come to the Lord and confess and face with the rest of the people of our lives. And we can face and encounter everything in our lives by faith. So because of the love of God, God is pleased to have you. Praise now. God is happy to have you and He sins for you. And when you look into the future, God will honor you if you are sure that you belong to Him. So with that being said, the life of the Christians should be full of joyful moment and praise. So that again, we don't just rejoice and be happy only for Christmas season or maybe Chinese New Year. We can rejoice in every second and moment of our lives. Because knowing that our lives has already, in God's hand, nothing can separate. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that's a sure promise and invitation. So may the Word of God build us all and nurture us May we all always dwell in the love of God. By faith, we praise Him every single day. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your work. Thank You for the great mercy that You always rejoice over us. You love us to the point that You have given the, Your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to us to be our greatest free gift. And by faith, when we accept Christ, knowing that when we dwell in your hands, everything will be settled by you. It's not about us, it's about what you have done in our life. So help us, Father, when we are down, when we are heavy laden, when there's something in our lives that we can't really get past through it, helps us by faith knowing that you have removed the punishment from us. And by faith, we can rejoice in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.